Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Alike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBT WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to a brand new week of Budweiser's weekday sports beat. It is eight minutes after five o'clock on this Monday, July the 31st of 2023. Where is the summer going? We're heading to August already. And we are now 26 days away from the Notre Dame football season opener against the United States Naval Academy in Dublin, Ireland. 2.30 kickoff on August the 26th. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT with plenty of pre and post game coverage surrounding the season opener in week zero. We've got two hours of Budweiser's weekday sports beat tonight. The South Bend Cubs are idle today. They will host those Wisconsin Timber Rattlers tomorrow night at Four Winds Field, a game that you can hear on WSBT radio at 7.05. But tonight we have Cubby Corner. Following Budweiser's weekday sports beat, it is a half an hour of information on the South Bend Cubs. But on our program, we've got a lot of football to talk about. We have two of our three hat trick of opening topics surrounding Notre Dame football. Our bottom of the hour segment, we will take a look at the fighting Irish offense through the eyes and the voice of new offensive coordinator Jared Parker. We've got our Twitter question of the day coming up later on this hour. We'll recap Friday's question and ask a brand new question today that you've been voting on throughout the day on my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEAT. In the 6 o'clock hour, the My 5 Biggest Winners of the Weekend. We will continue with our 
Notre Dame football opponent preview coming up right around 6:15, 6:20. We will dive into a road opponent this year. It is the Louisville Cardinals, coached by former Boilermaker head coach Jeff Brom. And we'll wrap up the program with some sports wagering talk in our Sizzler segment. All coming up here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. And away we go with our hat trick of opening topics for this Monday evening. And how about we start with Notre Dame football conversations, specifically on the offensive side of the football, where there's a lot of interesting young talent mixed in with a grisly old veteran quarterback in Sam Hartman. But in this hat trick of opening topics, I'd like to talk about one of the older guys, but new to his position, and that's Chris Tyree. I think Chris Tyree is ready for prime time activity at the receiver spot. Now let's go back a bit. After three years of being a running back on this football team, when Kyron Williams left, there was the expectation this would be the guy. Just didn't work out. Injuries held him back. And then some pretty good players rolled into town. Audric Estime, Logan Diggs, Jadarian Price, Jabron Payne on down the line. Tyree, still a very capable running back who always showed us good pass-catching skills at running back. So, trying to maximize his talent, the coaching staff, I'm going to call it an experiment. Maybe it was something the coaches felt really good about and was going to work, but for for this conversation, we'll call an experiment moving him to wide receiver in the spring. Well, he stayed there after the first week, stayed there after the first month, and was there through the blue goal game. And now trending in a good direction to be a starting wide receiver for this Fighting Irish football team, specifically in the slot. Pretty good for a guy that was thought to be capable of rushing for 1,000 yards for this football team, now trying to make his mark as a wide receiver again, he always looked good catching passes coming out of the backfield or splitting out as a wide receiver. Now, it looks like he'll do that full-time. Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman, very impressed with the work Tyree has put in to give himself a chance to be a major contributor at the wide receiver position this year for Notre Dame. Even more experience. I don't know. I talked to Coach Stuckey. Um, we had a staff retreat, and he gave me the amount, I think 18,000 balls he caught. And Coach Stuckey could give you the right number, but I, I think it was around 18,000. And um, all those wideouts have, have really done a good job of, of working at their craft and give credit to Coach Stuckey for, for really helping develop those guys and pushing them this summer. But um, he's just gotten better and better and better. And then the confidence and trust between Sam Hartman and our quarterbacks and Chris Tyree. Right, and trust is built over time. That's not going to be because I say you guys got to trust each trust uh, each other, throw the ball right there, and he's going to catch it. You know, it's like overtime repetitions of both guys constantly doing it right builds that trust. And so, they've worked tirelessly this summer, um, and you've seen really the the improvement from spring till now. I'm horrible at stat predictions. When I think about Chris Tyree. In 2023, if in fact he is the slot wide receiver for this football team, 
Could he catch between 30 and 40 passes? If I go with 36 passes, that's three per game. Is that a good spot? To me, that seems like a really good spot because you're going to have probably some young guys pushing for playing time. The hope and expectation is Merriweather and Thomas are your top two pass catchers. You still have guys in the backfield that can catch the football. And it's hard to guess stats right now because Coach Parker taking over the play calling. Is he going to try to be 50-50 with Sam Hartman throwing the football and Estime and Price and all those guys? Ford carrying the football half the time? If you've got a guy like Hartman, do you lead to or lend to throwing the football a little more this year? We're not exactly sure what he's going to do, so it's really hard to guess. But if I said three catches per game for Tyree, I feel like that's at least close. That's why somewhere between 30 and 40 catches for Tyree this season feels in the ballpark. And let's hope he can stay healthy because I can just imagine Tyree catching a wide receiver screen, blockers in front, and taking off down the field for a long touchdown. You could see him coming in motion and the football flipped to him and just take off around the corner down the sideline. These are the type of guys you want to get the football in their hands as much as possible. And probably a big reason why Tyree is now at wide receiver. Plus, there's some really good running backs right now. So why not putting him in a spot to catch more passes at slot wide receiver? Fun to watch Chris Tyree develop. Now let's see if the injury bug stays away and what he can do at the wide receiver position with Sam Hartman ready to throw the football for the Fighting Irish this season. By the way, last year, Tyree 24 for 138 and two touchdowns. Let's move along now to head coach Marcus Freeman. We've heard from media, fellow coaches, that Marcus Freeman just seems in a better position to lead the football team compared to last year when he was going through everything for the first time and highly understandable. It's one thing to learn to be a head coach at Augustana College, but to do it at Notre Dame, I honestly can't imagine. It had to have been extremely overwhelming. Now he's been through it. He can truly put together a plan for his football team in the fall that he believes will give this team the best chance to succeed when they take the field against Navy on August the 26th. It's been interesting in parts of practice where the media can watch. We have seen Marcus bring his football team to him. They all get down on a knee and Marcus delivers a message to his football team. The first one seemed a mild message and then after that, there seems to be intensity, really trying to push across a message. I was pounding my fist into my hand, just trying to make a major impact with his players. And after the first practice last week, Coach Freeman was asked about bringing the team around him to deliver a message. And I think this is worth playing. This just shows the intensity of Freeman, what he's trying to get across with a brand-new fall camp for his football team. 
Yeah, usually I don't have them take a knee, um, but I wanted to for the first day. Like, I know their emotions were high. I said, take a knee, you know, catch your breath. Um, it, it was pretty warm. And uh, basically, I told them two things is that I want them to really focus on learning today, really focus on listening and intent to learn, right? We, we have to understand, like, we have to correct mistakes, maybe without getting physical reps. Like, mentally, we have to listen, take coaching um, from our coaches. And then the second point was, there's going to be mistakes. I'll tell you right now, I get it. But I want to see guys that play with the effort and attitude that we we, we only accept here at Notre Dame, right? And and that's, um, we say through it, not to it, but as hard as you possibly can go. And that's what I didn't want them. I don't want you to slow down because you are are un, uncertain. Just go as hard as you can, and we'll, we'll correct the mistakes. That's kind of what I told them pre-practice. I like that message. Hey, mistakes are going to happen. you got to move on, get ready for the next play. So we are seeing a different Marcus Freeman in this fall camp. We'll see if we see anything different in game situations this year. Our third and final hat trick of opening topics for tonight. We're going to move away from football just for a second because the Major League Baseball trade deadline is 24 hours and about 41 minutes away. 6 o'clock Eastern time tomorrow. The deadline hits. No more trades after tomorrow at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. And the Cubs and the White Sox are in positions maybe we didn't feel like they would be in on this date at the start of the year. I personally thought one of those teams would be adding at the deadline, making a playoff push, and the other would shed some talent looking ahead to 2024 well there's a chicago team doing each but let's flip the roles the white Sox, who were built to win a couple of years ago just did not work and now they've traded five pitchers over the last week giolito and lopez to the angels ronaldo lopez is a sneaky good pickup by the angels a right-hander Throws upper 90s, hits 100. Everybody is looking for strikeout arms for their bullpen. And Lopez, I think, is an under-the-radar candidate, and the Angels are going to get a lot of good use out of Ronaldo Lopez. And, of course, Giolito helps the rotation. You weren't going to bring Lance Lynn back. Lynn and Kelly go to the Dodgers. Kelly has been there before where he's had some dust-ups with the old Astros. And Kendall Graveman, our 2019 South Bend Cub championship pitcher, traded to the Astros for a second time in his career. That's five pitchers gone and a lot of innings to cover over the next couple of months. The White Sox, I believe it was Bob Nightingale today from USA Today, stated that they are more than willing to give away Yasmani Grandal, who's in the final year of his multi-year contract. They're just looking to move on. From Grandal, there's been reports that the Brewers have been pushing to try to acquire former South Bend Cub, Sox outfielder, Aloy Jimenez. Now, I've always said on this show, Aloy's my guy, always will be my guy. And when I watched him grow before my eyes here in South Bend, the only thing that concerned me was the injury bug, and it's been a major problem since being traded to the White Sox. Do you give up on Aloy? Basically, he's a DH. 
And if you're a team that likes to move around the at-bats for the DH to give people time off their feet, all they have to do is bat, don't play the field, it is not a perfect situation. Now, he's hitting 285. The home runs are starting to come. But you just always feel like the next injury is right around the corner, and if you don't want him in the outfield, it does clog up your DH spot. So the White Sox do have an interesting choice. I'll say this. I'm in the minority here. But if I'm the White Sox, I really, really listen to offers for Dylan Cease. Second in the Cy Young voting last year. Not as good this year, but the demand is high for a top-of-the-rotation guy. There aren't enough pitchers for the amount of teams that are looking for starting pitchers right now as the trade deadline approaches. Just ask yourself this. It's probably going to take the White Sox multiple years to put themselves in position to win again. Now, the good news is in the AL Central, maybe that time is shorter than I just said. But they're going to have to replenish the talent on this team. There's good parts, but it just feels like there's a ways to go to get back into true position to battle for a playoff spot. So if it's going to take you three or four years, Dylan Cease is someone that is not going to be a part of a playoff team with top of the rotation talent that's going to be sort of wasted. When his value is sky high right now, And I'm not saying just trade him to trade him. If you get a package that is going to set you up for the future, I have to move him even though I don't want to. There's been talk of Luis Robert as well. I'm not sure I would go that route. I think Robert is a key part of your foundation. But Cease, I got to listen to. If there are enough good parts coming back, I got to move him. I got to try to win as soon as possible. And he's your best asset to truly trade at this point. Then you've got the Chicago Cubs who, how do I put this? They caught fire at the right time and the wrong time. Right before the deadline. There was always that feel going into July, the Cubs are going to be sellers at the deadline. Could they make the playoffs, are they really a World Series championship contender, even if they made it? Well, then the eight-game winning streak happens leading up to the trade deadline. That streak halted in St. Louis yesterday. So now all of a sudden, from trading Cody Bellinger and Marcus Stroman to keeping them on the team and now looking to add. I'm not as big of a Stroman fan as the average fan. I would not give him 25 to 30 million like he's going to want next year, opting out of his contract with the Cubs. I just don't believe you're going to get the consistent high-end performance that you did the first couple of months of the year. I think that's an outlier, and I'd be careful. In fact, if I had my way, if I could trade Stroman, but also get a different starting pitcher back in return with control, I would definitely consider that. But Bellinger, there is no way in the world you trade him. In fact, I got to look at re-signing him. It could cost you $30 million a year. It's Chicago. They're full of money. There was a report the other day they might be in on Otani. Now, they should be, but whether they are or not, I'm curious to see if that's reality. 
They can afford Cody Bellinger. Power hitter. Gets on base. Hitting for average. Terrific defender in center and first base. Right now on the Cubs roster, there is not a better first baseman or center fielder. Pete Crow Armstrong might be eventually the better center fielder. And the report is today that Armstrong's getting promoted to AAA Iowa, the Cubs' number one prospect. But Bellinger, man, I got to look at signing him because left-handed power bats are hard to find. You haven't replaced Kyle Schwarber. You haven't replaced Anthony Rizzo. Don't let another good lefty bat walk out the door. Build around this guy. The middle of the field looks good. Gomes, Amaya, Horner, Swanson, Bellinger in center. Or Crow Armstrong eventually. You want to be strong up the middle? They are really strong there. I was not a big fan of Hap getting an extension. Suzuki has not been exactly worth all the money they've spent. Still could turn out to be okay. They're looking really good with some added pitching that looks like is on the way from the minors. So Bellinger is an important piece, and you don't let lefty power bats from the middle of your lineup walk out the door. They've done it before. I hope they don't do it again. But they need a third baseman. Please get a third baseman. No more wisdom, madrigal, masterboni. Get a guy that can provide a little oomph in the offense from third base. Hopefully the Cubs can add a third baseman. That would be a major add, and another reliever or two probably would not hurt either. So it's going to be a fun 24 hours for both of these teams as they look to tweak for different reasons. Sox for 2024 and beyond. The Cubs are trying to sneak into the playoffs. Four games behind the Reds for first place in the Central, and the Cubbies and the Red Legs will play game one of a four-game set at Wrigley Field starting tonight. That will be good stuff from the north side of Chicago. That's our hat trick of opening topics for tonight, 527 on this Monday evening. How about we learn more about the Fighting Irish offense from the guy in charge, Jared Parker, the new offensive coordinator. What did he have to say about his offense? Sam Hartman, the tight end room without Michael Mayer, we'll find out together next as Sports Beat rolls on. On your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We continue to stream live at WSBTradio.com, the WSBT radio app, and a live video feed right now of the show on the Twitch app. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Gives to Estime. He leaps at the one and goes over the strike. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hartman keeps it, runs it up the middle, bulldozing to the end zone, and he's in. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Low snap, hands off inside to Estime. 10-5. He'll get there. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Twenty-seven minutes in front of six o'clock, Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues. From our studios in downtown South Bend, Indiana, just a couple of three irons away from Notre Dame Stadium. Darren Pritchard with you here on WSBT Radio. We have our Notre Dame football opponent preview series underway, and today we're going to focus on. The Louisville Cardinals, brand new head coach. We'll talk about that road game in the 6 o'clock hour. 
Coming up on tomorrow's program, we're going to welcome WSBT 22 Sports Director Pete Byrne back to the program. We're going to talk some Notre Dame football with the Notre Dame grad and host, or I should say Sports Director. They kind of host sports on the news on WSBT 22. We'll talk to the Sports Director tomorrow. Mike Singer's Notre Dame football recruiting segment moving to Thursday this week, so no Mike tomorrow. But we'll still talk plenty of Notre Dame football, including with Pete coming up between 5 and 6.45 here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, the Fighting Irish offense ready to roll in 2023. Tommy Reese has gone to Alabama. Drew Pines now at Arizona State. So Jared Parker is the new offensive coordinator. And now Sam Hartman takes over as the starting quarterback after a terrific run at Wake Forest. A lot of the same... Parts are back this year. The running back room still looks very, very good, even with Logan Diggs gone to LSU. The wide receiving core, another year older, young bunch of wide receivers coming in to enhance that room. Tight end position's the big change with no Michael Mayer gone to the NFL and a bunch of guys battling for playing time and the offensive line's got those two great tackles to build around. And it sounds like Billy Stroud's coming strong at the left guard position. So that's just a, a really quick overview of some of the names on the offensive side of the football. Let's dig a little deeper and mixing in some of the comments of new offensive coordinator Jared Parker. And here is Parker, just some general thoughts on adjusting to now his offensive coordinator role in South Bend. You, you quickly learn as you've seen other great ones do it or be around it, and then when you're thrown in it, like the, the job really is to coordinate. Like what does that really mean? I think everybody in our business thinks plays, 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 and they matter. But you're really just trying to make sure you help guide and give direction to a great staff. And I'm not just saying that to try to make sure it hits right for you all. It's the truth. Like we have a great staff guide and direct the staff and then let them do their jobs and work and there's a lot more time put into that than there is some of the other stuff that you're used to doing and then there's no such thing as free time even when you step away from a little bit which is the world of coaching you know there's things that wake you up at night and there's things that wake you up in the morning that you're constantly thinking about because you can never do enough so it's a lot um in a very positive way it's a lot yeah west virginia Kind of called plays. The head coach kind of called plays. We're going to see Jared Parker without handcuffs on. He's going to be calling the plays here in South Bend. And my goodness, what a great situation you walk into. If you're Parker, you've got a record-setting quarterback from the ACC and Sam Hartman waiting for you. You've got two great offensive tackles to build around. And my heavens, the running back room is loaded with great players. So definitely... He is not in a situation where he is looking to build a couple of years down the line. It is definitely win time with this Fighting Irish offense. And there's no doubt, again, not picking on the player, but the quarterback position really held back this offense. We did not get to see Tommy Reese fully use his offense last year due to the limitations of the backup, then starting quarterback. We wish him well at Arizona State, but... Tommy would have had some fun with Sam Hartman, but he's going to have fun in Tuscaloosa instead. So here is Coach Parker on this 2023 Fighting Irish offense. Well, it's um, we know what we want it to look like. Like as far as how we want to be perceived when somebody turns on the film, 
You want to see a team that takes care of the football, which I said very early in this thing, that plays really hard and is physical, and then we play with great details, meaning the ability to make our plays work. And so that's who it's going to define us. Like, we'll always result to those first and live our creed through them. And so that's how it'll start. But, of course, in the end of this thing, like the Notre Dame brand, who we are as a football team from Coach Freeman down and who this place has been, we want to be able to run the football, be a physical team, and then let our plays uh, give the ability for our players to, to, to do what they do, which is make them work. So um, that's not dodging the question, but we want to define ourselves by our personnel and to be able to attack people multiple ways. Well, I think they're going to define themselves by the variety of things that they can throw at the opposition. And what I mean is, you look at, for example, the running backs. You have the pounder with good speed in Audric Estime. Then you've got speed guys like Jadarian Price. And we'll see if Jeremiah Love fits into this equation eventually, the, the freshman just entering the program. Devin Ford, an experienced guy from Penn State who probably – well, this is Darren speaking. I can't speak for Coach Parker, but seems to be a guy that's going to be in the top three on the depth chart. And if last year set a tone, if you're in the top three at running back, you're going to see playing time in the game because the Irish used a pretty heavy dose of a three running back rotation last year. But with that ability to run the football, and you hope they can do that, and they should be able to do that, what I'm really intrigued to see is the fact that when you flip on Wake Forest tape, Sam Hartman's ability and successful ability to get the football down the field. Notre Dame's not had that gunslinger that can get it down the field with the deep ball in quite some time. And if you want to use that part of his game, which I think they will, that can be a major Asset, put yourself in the shoes of an opposing defensive coordinator. You got Audric Estime who can pound you. And I don't want to limit him to being just a pounder. We know he's got some pretty good giddy-up as well. And then you got Price and Ford. You got a lot of different ways to hurt the opposition. Catching the football coming out of the backfield is a major weapon if they want to use it. But if you can get the running game going, just think where that opens up with the deep ball down the field. If the opposition has to bring that safety down to stop the run, get that extra hat in the box, then all of a sudden you're taking away a helmet down the field for Hartman to make the big play. And I'm a big believer in the deep passing game can set up the running game. Because if the safeties have to stay back, then all of a sudden you pound them. You put the defense in a tough spot. Last year, nobody was scared of the Irish throwing the football 15, 20 yards down the field. This year, if they have that same attitude, they're probably going to pay a price because now the Irish have that quarterback that can fling it down the field and not only scare you, but hit the big play. Probably throws a few more interceptions than you would like, but that's what happens when you extend the field. I'm really curious to see this. Now, as a big NFL fan and a college football fan, it's interesting how in the pros, the quarterbacks at that level can really do damage using the middle of the field. A lot of college play callers 
don't trust their young quarterbacks to throw the football over the middle. There's a lot of traffic. There's a lot of hands and arms that are going to be between the quarterback and your intended throw of the football. Personally, after watching Tommy Reese, I don't think he had much want to in throwing the football over the middle of the field, no matter who it was. I'm wondering with a veteran quarterback like Hartman, and you look at some of the speed at wide receiver, are crossing routes going to be now a part of this fighting Irish offense? Are they going to run a slant? I'm just visualizing Tyree on a crossing route, getting away from the defender. That's an interesting tool. Again, I get it. A lot of coordinators across the country don't like to use the middle of the field. Maybe that was a Brian Kelly thing. And Tommy Reese followed his orders. And I don't think he trusted Drew Pine to do that a whole lot. So I'm just wondering if crossing rounds in short-yarded situations, can you bring out the slant? Do you trust Sam Hartman? Well, probably you do. It's just whether the Irish want to do that or not. So that's one thing I can't wait to learn about this offense. Are they going to bring the middle of the field more into play this year? Crossing routes with these receivers I think is a really, really interesting part of the equation. We'll find out soon enough. But again, there's no doubting the Irish have the quarterback they've been looking for in Sam Hartman. And now that he is the guy, remember in the spring it was a so-called quarterback competition. We played along. We played along with a home game. It was Hartman and Tyler Buckner battling. And then you watch the blue goal game and it's like, there was really a quarterback competition? Really? Seriously? Well, Buckner's now gone. And let's face it, if you're in a competition, it's hard to be a leader, especially being the new guy. But now we don't have to worry about that because Sam Hartman is the team's starting quarterback again, offensive coordinator, Jared Parker. Well, there's a lot to be said about experience and being in it. He's been in the fire a lot. So I think there's more than anything for all of us, the ability to handle failure as much as success. So when you're around a guy that's been as many fires as he has, he's been able to learn that balance. So I think with that comes an ultimate respect. Now he's built trust throughout the summer. I think that's the difference for him. He's built respect by being here. Trust is earned. He's earned that right. And we've also got a great locker room around him that it's embraced him. How much did the two of you collaborate? A lot. We have to. Um, I think more important for me, I want to know what he likes and what he feels um, so we can communicate and go. It doesn't matter if we really like one or I really like a player or a scheme and those things. If he doesn't or he doesn't feel it, shame on us. Um, but he's easy to talk with. We want him to feel empowered. We want our entire staff to feel that way. He does. We communicate great through Gino, me, and him, and the rest of the, of the group. Uh, so that part's going. That'll always be good. There's Parker talking about his quarterback, Sam Hartman. It will be interesting to see who has the advantage, if anyone. Hartman has faced these ACC teams on the Notre Dame schedule before. So does Sam have an advantage going up against these schemes again? But he's in a brand-new offense at Notre Dame. Do the defenses have a little up in the in the competition because they have faced him before? They know strengths and weaknesses. NC State's picked him off six times the last two games. So an interesting chess match this year. Hartman facing a lot of familiar defenses with these ACC games on the Notre Dame schedule. Now, the big, big difference in this football team is a great talent like Michael Mayer now gone to the NFL. He was Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine's number one target. And 
all that great play is now probably going to be wasted with the Las Vegas Raiders, but maybe the Raiders will surprise. But now the tight end room looks a whole lot different without such a reliable and dynamic player in Michael Mayer residing in it. Now you have a handful of tight ends, and right now I'm sure it's the situation the coaching staff's trying to figure out how to best utilize the tight end position. Now, Kevin Bauman's been around these parts, but he has just been dealing with a lot of injuries. It sounds like today he was on the exercise bike down to the pit during practice, so hopefully that is nothing to be concerned about. Once Mayer declared for the NFL draft and the Irish had to play in the Gator Bowl against South Carolina, Mitchell Evans became the starter and had a touchdown catch against the Gamecocks. I think we're starting to figure out what he can do for this offense. But then you got Eli Raritan coming off a couple of ACLs, taking it slow, not pushing everything on his plate early on in fall camp. You want him there when the bell rings on August the 26th. Holden Stays is a really interesting talent. And then you got the freshman Cooper Flanagan has flashed at times so far during fall camp. This might be the one position on the football team that we are truly going to have to wait and see how the coaches are going to use these five tight ends. Maybe Flanagan, as a freshman, isn't fully in the mix. Let's say that's reality, but you got Bauman, Evans, Raritan, and Stays. Raritan could be possibly the guy with the most ceiling of these guys, in my opinion. I like Stays a lot. Evans is steady as can be. Bauman is a guy, I think he is a guy they trust in blocking situations. It'd just be nice to see him play a handful of games in a row to really get a good feel what he can do for this football team. It just, the injury bug has really cost him some great opportunities. But I'm intrigued by this group. I think this is a wait-and-see position. Let's see how... Coach Parker decides to use these guys. Are they going to go with as much two tight end sets as they have done in the past? You had Michael Mayer to put out there, of course, on every play. Bring that second tight end in. Do they feel like a two tight end set is going to be as positive as in the past? Do you have enough wide receivers to keep three wide receivers or four wide receivers on the field at times? What do you do with all the running backs? Again, a lot of moving parts, but this is a good thing for Jared Parker. He has a lot of different parts to use this year. So here is Coach Parker talking about life in that tight end room, his room, without the great Michael Mayer. Well, you could – I never want to be a coach or a guy that would say, like, we want people's absence to be felt. That means that they've made their presence felt. So – do we miss Mike? Heck yeah, I miss Mike. I miss Mike as a competitor and what he brought to the table and the bar he set for the tight end room on our football team. Um, so we miss him, and man, well, I know he's going to do big things. On the other side of these things, we got professionals behind him that have learned the way, that have just went to work. Like anytime I've told the guys, the office, and everybody, anytime we get lost and thinking about anything else, playing time, wins, losses, yards, points, just block it out go back to work. And I think that the tight end room is responsible for going to work and earning the right to fill that void. And they'll do that. They're a mature group that expects to. Also, here is Coach Parker giving you a little insight on some of the skill sets in that tight end room. So they complement each other. They all kind of have different skill sets. 
Holden's a little is, is clearly the younger of the three. Um, he brings a different skill set in the pass game in different phases of the block game off the ball. Kevin's an old veteran that will play on the ball, be mean and gritty as he continues to work to get healthy. And then Mitch can do a little bit of both, and he's proven that. So what better combination of three veterans that kind of feed off each other because they have three different skill sets and talents, and they know it. So we embrace those roles and go. There you go. Jared Parker, the new offensive coordinator, tight end coach for this Fighting Irish football team. No more Tommy Reese. Parker in charge. Great quarterback at the helm. Let's see what these guys can do in 2023. It is 10 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Darren Pritchett with you. More sports beat coming up, including our Twitter question of the day results from yesterday and today's brand new question on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And don't forget, this is happening Wednesdays and Thursdays during the Notre Dame football season. Wake up the echoes. Eric Hansen is back. It's a reboot. Here, Hall of Fame Notre Dame sports writer Eric Hansen. Afternoons with Darren Pritchett on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Read Eric's reports on Notre Dame sports on InsideNDSports.com. From the first snap of summer camp to the last snap of the bowl game, nobody gets you closer to the action. Eric Hansen is back on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett back with you. Our Twitter question of the day is found on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. I'll go with Twitter. Each weekday, we come up with a brand new question. We ask you to vote on it, and we bring you the results the following day on Sportsbeat, and then ask a brand new question. So, part one, let's go back. And on Friday's show, we asked you this question. Now, I should have wrote this in the question. That's my bad. Who is the best Notre Dame football duel? I meant of the four choices I gave. Now, if I would have put Alt and Fisher, they probably would have gotten 100% of the vote. So that's why I didn't go that direction. So I wanted to know which of these four is the best duo. I should have been better in my question writing. I'll do better next time. So here's what I ended up with. Which of these duos is the best? We start at wide receiver, Tobias Merriweather and Jaden Thomas. How about at running back, Audric Estime and Jadarian Price? Your third football duo to consider... The cornerbacks, Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison. And choice number four from the linebacker room, J.D. Bertrand and Jack Kaiser. You have voted. Fourth place, not a lot of love for the wide receivers, Merriweather and Thomas. They got 1.2% of the vote. After playing a half a season with Sam Hartman, that total might increase rather dramatically. Third place in the voting. Little support as well for the linebackers, Bertrand and Kaiser, 4.9% of the vote. Of these four choices, the best Notre Dame football duo. Second place, getting 34.6% of your support. 
the running backs, Audric Estime and Jadarian Price. Now, I went with those two because that's my best guess who one and two will be against Navy. It could be Estime and Ford. Maybe you go with the veteran guy, Ford, before Price, who is a sophomore but didn't play last year due to the Achilles. But I think by the end of the year, it'll be Estime and Price. They got 34.6% of the vote, but I tell you what, it sounds like Ford is really looking good. Winning the vote easily of these four, who is the best Notre Dame football duo? The great corners, Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison got 59.3% of the vote. Maybe Alt Fisher versus Hart and Morrison would have been the way to go. That might have been a tougher vote. But we thank you for voting, and we move along to today's question that was posted this morning on my Twitter account at 960Sportsbeat. Here is the question in the final college football playoff rankings come December. Which of these three teams will be ranked the highest? Final football ranking of these three teams, who will be ranked the highest? Is it the USC Trojans? Is it the Clemson Tigers? Or is it the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame? Which of these three will be ranked the highest when that final college football playoff ranking comes out in December? Trojans, Tigers, Irish. We'd love your vote, your thoughts. Go to my Twitter account at 960Sportsbeat to vote. We'll have the results on tomorrow's program. We got to get to a break. We have to get to a sports update. Then we'll get to the five biggest winners of the weekend. Our Notre Dame football opponent preview shifts to the Louisville Cardinals. All that and more coming up on the next hour of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, brought to you by Budweiser, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 610 at WSBT, hour number two of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. My name is Darren Pritchett. And here we go with today's My Five. The five biggest winners of the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Let's begin with Major League Baseball. And at number five, I'm going to take the Cleveland Guardians, mainly because the team they're chasing for the top spot of the AL Central laid an egg over the weekend. Cleveland watched AL Central leading Minnesota get swept in a three-game series by the woeful Kansas City Royals. Because of that, the Twins' AL Central lead is now down to just a half a game over the Guardians. Minnesota, along with losing those three to Kansas City, have now dropped five in a row, and they're 53 up and 53 down. Now, the Twins struggling right now comes at a good time for Cleveland because the Guardians gained some ground right before they go through a pretty tough stretch. Over the next 15 games, Cleveland has three at the Houston Astros. 
Then it gets a little lighter for a moment. Three games at home against the White Sox. But then four at home against the upstart Toronto Blue Jays. That could be a battle for a wild card spot eventually. After playing the Blue Jays, then you have to go to Tampa for a three-game set to take on Tampa Bay. And then two at the Cincinnati Reds. That's an interesting 15-game stretch with only that breather against the White Sox. And by the way, looking big picture, division teams don't play as much this year because of the schedule in which you play everybody in baseball at least one series. Rather than playing each other 19 times, the Twins and the Guardians will play each other 13 times. They have six games left, three in Cleveland, and three in Minnesota. Four! Another winner from the weekend is Denver Broncos head coach Sean Payton. Yeah, the NFL has gotten a lot of use of this whole Sean Payton story with USA Today, and now the Jets are fighting back because of some of his comments. Basically, the new Broncos head coach in a conversation with USA Today was very critical of individuals who were a part of a disastrous 2022 Broncos season. They went 5-12. and 12. It was felt worse than that. Worst offense in the NFL. He went after people still in the organization and some who are not. In particular, last year's head coach, a first-time head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, who was let go during the season. He's now the offensive coordinator for the Jets. Peyton called Hackett's 15-game run with the Broncos last season, quote, one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL, end quote. He also said there were 20 dirty hands around quarterback Russell Wilson's career-worst season that included only 16 touchdown passes and was sacked a league-high 55 times. Now, Nathaniel Hackett and now Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers go back to their days in Green Bay. Rodgers loves Hackett. Rodgers was on the NFL Network, was asked about this set of comments by Sean Payton. Rodgers said, quote, It made me feel bad that someone who has accomplished a lot in the league is that insecure that they have to take another man down to set themselves up for some easy fall if it doesn't go well for that team this year. I think it was way out of line, inappropriate, and I think he needs to keep my coach's names out of his mouth. End quote. Aaron Rodgers did what he needed to do. Stand up for his coach and his brand new football team, the New York Jets. Let's start with this in regard to Sean Payton. Everything he said was accurate. People don't like to hear it, but he wasn't lying. You look at how ill-prepared Denver's offense was last season. The Hackett experiment is one of the worst in the NFL. But did Payton need to say it? Did he need to speak the truth? Well, let's look at it from Sean's standpoint. He is trying to get rid of a horrible culture in Denver. Since winning Super Bowl 50, this team has not made the playoffs, and they have not been overly competitive. 
and what happened last year, it's going to take a while to fully get it out of the team system. But Peyton is smart. He is very calculated. Did he hurt some feelings? Sounds like he did. But you know what? The last week, whether you turn on the NFL Network, ESPN, go to NFL.com, your favorite NFL writer, NFL person with sources, insiders, how many times have they talked about Russell Wilson the last week, week and a half? Now, his name has been mentioned because of the story, but how many times has someone tweeted, wrote a story, or on the radio or television focused on Russell Wilson and how bad he was last year? No one. And that's what Sean Payton's trying to do. He is very secure in himself. He's won a Super Bowl. He's made millions of dollars. He's making a boatload of money to try to turn this Denver franchise around. And I think this was, A, to get the players' attention with fall camp getting started as he changes the culture. And he's taking a ton of heat off his quarterback who can now just settle in for a short time. Russell last year was coming out for camp. He was high-fiving all the fans, running around the field. Not this year. Not this year. He's focused on football and not other things that are nice, but he's got rid of those, probably because of his head coach. When you try to change the culture and you're trying to get the focus away from your quarterback, what do you do? You put the spotlight on yourself. A brilliant, calculated move by Peyton. And you know what? As we always say, if you do something, you can always say you're sorry. And he has already. And what's fun about this whole story, Broncos host the Jets in week five. And we'll get to bring this all up again. But Sean Payton's not worried about hurting feelings. He's trying to turn around this Bronco franchise. And this is just another small piece, maybe, of trying to turn things around in Denver. Our My 5 question of the day, the five biggest winners of the weekend. At number three, it's the Chicago Cubs. The Cubbies had their eight-game winning streak snapped in St. Louis yesterday. But the eight-game win streak for the Cubs, their longest winning streak since guys like Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Contreras, Schwarber still had Cub uniforms on. Last time they've had this long of a winning streak, how about 2016? Yeah, that's right. It's been that long. And because of that win streak, the Cubs officially went from sellers to buyers as they are now going to try to make the postseason. And why not? The Cubs are in the race right now, and they've had to pull off the table two guys they might have traded. Start of July, they probably were going to trade starting pitcher Marcus Troman, who has an option left on his deal. It's a player option. He's only going to make 20 or $21 million. He's going to say the heck with that. He can make more money in free agency, so you would have traded him. And they bought low on Cody Bellinger, and it turned out to be a brilliant move. They could have got the moon for Bellinger at the deadline, but now they need him in the lineup to try to make the postseason. 
Cubs are in third place in the NL Central, four games in back of the Reds. The Brewers are a half a game behind Cincinnati. Then you look at the wild card chase. The Cubs are right there as well. It's a little more crowded. But the Cubs start tonight three and a half games in back of the team that owns the last wild card spot. Currently, the Miami Marlins. Now, the Phillies and the Diamondbacks are two teams in between the Marlins and the Cubs. So the Cubs have two teams to jump over to get to that final wild card spot. Actually, three if you count the Marlins. Now, the Cubs took advantage of a weak part of their schedule to officially go from sellers to buyers. During this week stretch, they faced the Washington Nationals, the St. Louis Cardinals in two series, and the Chicago White Sox. They took care of business as you wanted them to do. Now it gets a little more interesting. Starting tonight, four against the first place Cincinnati Reds at Wrigley Field. The last thing you want You had this winning streak right before the deadline. And now you don't want to go on a losing streak and think, wow, maybe we should have just went ahead and sold these guys for the future. Because after the Reds come to Wrigley Field for four, then you got the high-flying Atlanta Braves coming in. Against the Reds and the Braves, you could go two and five very easily. But if you go five and two, all of a sudden, wow, look at this. So after the Reds and the Braves... You take on the Mets at City Field for three. Those are winnable, especially with Max Scherzer gone. They just traded outfielder Mark Cannon to the Brewers. The Blue Jays, that's going to be a tough task. Three at the Rogers Center. So now that that cakewalk part of the schedule is over, four against the Reds, three against the Braves, three against the Mets, three against the Blue Jays, and that's why you need some reinforcement. Go get Heimer Candelario, your former minor league third baseman. Get him from Washington. Not going to cost you much, but it's a whole lot better than Mastroboni, Madrigal, and Wisdom. That's the first third baseman that came to mind that makes sense. Not going to cost you a lot in player currency, and he'll do a nice job at third base and add a reliever or two. But the Cubs, this eight-game winning streak, definitely they're winners because of that, but now they're in the playoff chase again, so definitely... They are winners. Now we have, in our winners of the weekend, number two, it's the AFC South. The Colts, arguably their best players, running back Jonathan Taylor and the Colts, and Taylor in the middle of a fistfight. Now it all started when JT changed agents, and now they're trying to play hardball with the Colts. Taylor and his agent have been unable to get the Colts to sign him to a long-term extension. We're seeing this throughout the NFL. Teams are not investing in their running backs in long-term deals. So, since he didn't get a new deal, he asked for a trade. Colts owner Jim Irsay told SI.com this about Taylor. Quote, we're not trading Jonathan. End of story. End quote. Now, the Colts are in the driver's seat in this situation because they have Taylor under contract for a few years, and then two years, they can basically sign him to the franchise tag. So you can get five or six years out of Taylor, and then you move on. That's what teams are doing now with running backs. Now the Colts reportedly are considering 
switching Taylor to the physically unable to perform list because reportedly he has complained of back pain. And with multiple reports to that effect, it means that someone within the Colts is leaking some info. Now, he had ankle surgery, and reportedly this back injury has to do with doing workouts away from Indianapolis. If you get placed on the unable-to-perform list, you don't have to pay that player during the regular season. So this is a big, big story. Taylor went to social media yesterday and said, quote, never had back pain, end quote. Went on to say, not sure who the sources are, but find new ones. This all comes after the lack of a long-term deal for running backs hit ahead with the Giants-Saquon-Barkley battle ending in Barkley getting a one-year deal for $11 million, a tad bit more than what he would have gotten had he signed his franchise tag. The running backs have been devalued in the league for some time, but now it is really something that's happening a lot. Enough for the running backs to get on a Zoom call together and talk about the situation. Teams are okay with drafting a running back, giving them one extension, then the franchise tag, and then find a new running back in the draft. This isn't going away. These guys take a pounding. You have to respect them. They are a big part of winning in the NFL. But I think the analytics are showing don't hold on to your running backs too long. Felt like the Cowboys invested way too much in Ezekiel Elliott. Now they've moved on from their former first-round pick. And finally, winners of the weekend, number one from Major League Baseball, it is the Texas Rangers. The deadline is less than 24 hours away, and my goodness, the Rangers have beefed up their rotation. They have added Max Scherzer from the New York Mets. They gave up their top prospect, Ronald Acuna's younger brother, in the deal. They also added from the St. Louis Cardinals starting pitcher Jordan Montgomery and right-handed reliever Chris Stratton. Scherzer, big game pitcher, Cy Young Award winner, World Series champion. ERA a little over four this year with the Mets. The Rangers are banking on the Scherzer who dominates to take control of this rotation going down to the stretch into the postseason. Jordan Montgomery, I've got to know as a Cardinal fan, is a very steady, reliable starting pitcher. He is durable. He will make his starts. He'll give you five to seven innings. I think his stuff is actually pretty good. Love his breaking ball. Sneaky good fastball. I wouldn't call him a one or a two pitcher. He's a three or a four starter in a rotation. But for a pennant drive, a handy guy to have around. And he's dealt with big moments before. He was with the Yankees dealing with that media. Handled that okay. St. Louis is a little different than New York. Now going to Texas, big opportunity. And the Rangers maybe need a boost because the Padres swept the Rangers over the weekend in San Diego, and the Rangers lead over the Astros for first place in the AL West is down to one game. So the big winners of the weekend, I've got, as I lost my page, where did it go? It's 
moving. The Cleveland Guardians, the Sean Payton situation with the Broncos, the Chicago Cubs, the AFC South, happy that Jonathan Taylor and the Colts are fighting. And number one, the Rangers adding to their 26-man roster for a playoff push and beyond. We'll take a timeout coming up next. Our Notre Dame football opponent preview shifts to Kentucky. We'll talk about the Louisville Cardinals as Sportspeak continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com, our free WSBT radio app, and on the Twitch app. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. If anything travels that far, I'd have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'd like to thank you for that waitress in South Bend. You know who she is. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. You can't put it on the ball! Yeah! 6.36 at WSBT. We'll get to our Notre Dame football opponent preview in a moment. But first, some breaking news from Major League Baseball. I mentioned the Cubs need a third baseman earlier in the program. I threw out the name Heimer Candelario. Well, they just acquired Heimer Candelario. So the Cubs get their third baseman, the 29-year-old who grew up in the Cubs system. And reportedly... Going to the Nationals is a guy who won a ring with the South Bend Cubs last year as a pitcher, DJ Hers, who is now a double-A pitcher. The left-hander Hers, a 397 ERA and 14 starts for Tennessee this year. 59 innings, only 47 hits. Big issue with walks, 37 walks in 59 innings. But you also like 59 innings, 80 strikeouts. The opposing double-A hitters were hitting 216 off hers this year. So, reportedly, DJ Hers going to Washington for Candelario and also a current member of the South Bend Cubs is on his way to Washington. I do apologize. I just don't follow South Bend as closely, obviously, when I was broadcasting the team, and I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. Kevin Made. It's spelled M-A-D-E. I think it's Made. 20-year-old infielder. He is apparently on the move to Washington this year. Kevin hit 240 with South Bend, a 328 on base, only a 683 OPS, three homers, three stolen bases. So Kevin and DJ apparently going to Washington for Kander, excuse me, Heimer Candelario. So the Cubs, there you go. They've got their third baseman for the pennant push. Also, former Notre Dame star, A.J. Pollock has reportedly been traded by the Seattle Mariners to the San Francisco Giants. It has been a tough year for Pollock. He's dealing with a hamstring injury right now, but only hitting 173, five homers, 15 knocked in his OPS. Not very good at 547. So Pollock moves from Seattle to the San Francisco Giants as the Giants try to make a run at the postseason.
We continue with our Notre Dame football opponent preview, and today we take a look at a team that the Irish will face on the road, the Louisville Cardinals. Louisville in 2022 posted a record of 8-5. and five. And the Cardinals picked up wins at Central Florida 20-14, an easy win over South Florida 41-3. They doubled up Virginia on the road 34-17. Louisville took down Pittsburgh, a nice win there 24-10. Against Sam Hartman and Wake Forest, it was all Louisville beating the Demon Deacons 48-21. A win over James Madison, 34-10, and they beat NC State, 25-10. The losses for Louisville last year. Surprising loss at Syracuse, 31-7. Lost a tough one at home to Florida State, 35-31. They eked out a victory in Chestnut Hill over Boston College, 34-33. And it was Louisville losing at Clemson 31-16 and a road loss to Kentucky in a rivalry game 26-13. Well, Jeff Brom returns to his alma mater where he was a quarterback to become the head coach of Louisville after running the Purdue program from 2017 through 2022. Brom arrives at his alma mater and the schedule changes. And now this year, Louisville and ACC play avoids Clemson, Florida State, and North Carolina. Jeff, welcome to Louisville. We'll make it a little easier on you. You don't have to face arguably the best three teams, Clemson, Florida State, and North Carolina. Gives you a pretty good shot to have some success in the conference. Last year, the Louisville offense averaged 26.9 points per game, 407 yards of total offense, 201 rushing yards and 206 passing yards. Now, Brom has two options at the quarterback position. You've got a returnee in Brock Dorman, who started four games last year for Louisville, threw for 958 yards, but his completion percentage only 53.9%. Likely, he's the backup because coming in as a transfer, is a former Boilermaker quarterback under Brom, California's Jake Plummer. Last year, Plummer with Cal, 3,095 passing yards, 21 touchdown strikes, and nine interceptions, and the Irish have faced Plummer in the past and had good success against him. All ACC second-team performers, wide receiver Tyler Hudson and tight end Marshawn Ford are gone out of that Louisville offense, and so are their combined 102 catches. The top returning wide receiver is Amari Huggins-Bruce, 31 carries for 360, I'm sorry, 31 catches for 365 and two touchdowns, but Louisville's trying to replenish their wide receiving core by bringing in four transfer receivers. First-team Sunbelt wide receiver Jamari Thrash, who had over 1,100 receiving yards, joins Louisville, as does Kevin Coleman, the SWAC freshman of the year. Now, this Louisville team averaged over 200 rushing yards per game each of the last four years under Scott Satterfield. Louisville needs to redo their offensive line as well, so Brom brought in six transfer portal offensive linemen. Purdue's Eric Miller was one of them to go along with two all-ACC starters in center Brian Hudson and right tackle Renato Brown. 
Jawar Jordan went over 100 yards rushing in four of his last five games for Louisville. For the full year, 843 rushing yards and four touchdowns for Jordan, who will be their top back this year. Their backup could be a former Wisconsin runner in Isaac Garendo, who had 398 yards as a Badger last year. But obviously with Braum there, the passing game will head to the front seat and the running game will go to the back seat. On defense, last year the Cardinals only gave up 19.2 points per game, a big improvement. 330 yards per game allowed, 133 rushing yards, and 197 passing yards. Now, they had 50 sacks last year. That's a big total, but only 16 and a half return this year. They had some big losses along their defensive line. First team, ACC defensive end, Yasir Abdullah had nine and a half sacks. And second team defensive end, Yaya Disby, nine sacks. Those two guys are gone, but they do have a top returning rusher and defensive end Ashton Giolit with nine sacks last year, and they've added Stanford defensive end Stephen Heron, who had six sacks for the Cardinals last season. Louisville also lost three impact linebackers who combined for 10.5 sacks. The linebacker position likely is going to be a weak spot for this year's Louisville team. Three-time All-ACC cornerback Catrell Clark is gone. Three starters and five transfers are back in the secondary. The key player is Middle Tennessee State transfer cornerback Quincy Riley. He was first-team All-Conference USA last year with five interceptions. You look at some of the betting numbers for Notre Dame and Louisville. Over the last 10 years, Louisville, as a home dog, we expect them to be the underdog against the Irish, are 6-9-1 and one against the spread last year. Against the spread as a home underdog, just 1-1. One 2020, Louisville was a 16-point road underdog, and they only lost to Notre Dame by a score of 12-7. So Louisville, kind of a bounce-back year last year with a record of 8-5. Coach Satterfield leaves for Cincinnati, and Jeff Brom goes from West Lafayette to the Bluegrass State to take over his alma mater, the Louisville Cardinals. Next up in our opponent preview, we will take a look tomorrow at the USC Trojans who come to South Bend for a matchup with the Irish on October the 14th. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 